0: Hello there, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast brought to you by The Pop Break. This is the podcast where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. And we are in for a doozy this week, or this month, I should say. We're going to be talking about the 10th anniversary of the series premiere of the HBO show. I'm putting a lot of ofs to build up to this. Game of Thrones. We're talking about the 10th anniversary of Game of Thrones first airing on HBO. As usual, I am your host Josh cernicki and I am joined by my partner in crime and brother Aaron. Aaron, say hi. Greetings. Ah, yes, yeah, so a very they, very good formal greeting for when you're going to a to a feast like an episode 1 of Game of Thrones. So, this I don't remember how long it's been since I, I I first watched the the premiere of the series. Do you have a an idea of when you first watched it?
1: Yeah, um I watched it uh when I was uh graduating from uh college, uh senior week, I watched the first ten episodes, so the first season, uh with friends. Um so that would have been 2014. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, that that's how long it's been. Um as far as the rest of the series, I kind of watched it in parts. Um I didn't have HBO uh for I going to I guess most of the series I didn't have HBO uh I rented a couple of the seasons from the library and then uh Comcast had this watchathon week which I don't know if they still do but you could watch uh any show from any channel for a week so I oh, watched yeah. season 4 um then I got season 5 as a birthday gift I think it was a right. birthday gift and then Season six, uh, I did, I eventually got HBO, so I watched the last three seasons on HBO
0: as they were airing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So played catch up for the first few seasons, but eventually.
1: Well, only for for a couple of years, I should say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. By the time it really hit its its peak uh, cultural phenomenon status, you were you were watching with everyone else.
1: Yeah. I would say that's pretty fair. I don't know exactly. And we can talk about this. The show only got more and more popular as it went on. Um, yeah. Compared to some other shows um, that that's just not the case. Um, but yeah, certainly as it was really starting to uh, pick up steam,
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as you were talking about that, I I do remember a bit more of when I started watching the series because I, I believe I started watching it on DVD or Blu-ray during my second year of grad school. I believe I I borrowed the, the box sets from my college houses, uh, DVD slash Blu-ray library. And so I, I borrowed those and, and binged through those um, until like I may have watched the first four seasons, maybe, maybe five. I was, I'll, let's say four. I think it was four seasons that I watched from their box sets. And then after that, I think I used your HBO uh, account to watch the rest until I got caught up for – season seven. So HBO, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but you charge way too much for, for your services. I had to. Don't don't hate me. Um, but I have HBO Max now, so we're all even, right? Right? It's all cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I also did not watch from the beginning, but one thing I did that I know we differ in is when we read the books because both of us have also read the, um, the series of ice and fire books from Georgia R. R. Martin on which the show is based. And I started reading those. Um, I guess around the same time that you started watching the show, I, um, I started reading them in the summer right after graduating college, I believe. Uh, when, when did you start reading the books? Oh, that that's right. So yeah, you
1: were pretty late on the show, but you had watched most of the or you'd read the books. Yeah. Uh so yeah, uh, I didn't start reading the books until the um the time between season seven and season eight, which was like was it? I, I guess, you know, like a year and a half, uh, if you think about the time that it ended, because they, they took so long to release season eight because it was such a task to shoot everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, enough that it, I had enough time to read five very lengthy books. Five <laughs> <laughs> massive books. Espe- yeah, especially so- the last uh, three, which... Mm-hmm. Um, but even actually no, they're, they're all long. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um so, so- oh, I was just going to say, I, it must've been a really different experience for both of us, me having knowledge of the characters primarily from the show and you having them primarily from the books.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah I, I hadn't really considered that. Both of us both jumped into the franchise around the same time, but we took different paths to get to it. So that really, it wasn't until the the final seasons that we both were fully caught up with the books and the show.
1: Right, and I mean that's not even going uh, some of the like uh, side like novella stuff I haven't even read all that I did read the one of the history books but so as far as the the core series I'm I'm caught up but there's still some stuff out there uh, that I haven't read
0: I mean there's there's so much of that out there and I mean who's got time for that when when George R. R. Martin decides that he's going to release you know so many companion novellas every year and just keep Pushing back the the release date of okay, the you know, rest of the we'll, series. You
1: know, we we'll have plenty to talk about that later on.
0: Yeah, I will have plenty to complain about later on. Um oh, you said talk about, never mind. Uh so yeah. So the the the, the series, the, the the series Game of Thrones is based off of George R. R. Martin's uh fantasy novels, A Song of Ice and Fire. And for the first few um, seasons, or for the majority of the seasons, they they pretty closely followed the events of the books until the show went past uh, what had been written so far in the, the no- novel series. So it's based off the books and then, or adapted from the books, and then inspired or uh, taking notes from where the books may have been going. But Aaron, if, if someone has been living under a rock, uh, not casually rock, but just a regular rock, and has no idea what Game of Thrones is about, could you just give a general summary of the the series as a whole before we get into the the series premiere?
1: Well, I mean, I'm not gonna say you necessarily lived under a rock. I mean, not everybody has HBO, not everybody's interested in fantasy, but um as far as the uh, plot of Game of Thrones, um, there's a lot of different stories that kind of all converge, but I think the plot is essentially pretty simple that there's this country called Westeros that um, there are warring factions all fighting for control of uh, the, the continent. um Westeros, um, and control of the Iron Throne. And, um, within the first couple seasons, uh, the big conflict is the northern half of the continent and the, uh, southern half, uh, the north being controlled by the, uh, the Starks, House Stark, and... The uh, south being controlled by House Lannister. And then um, over on the uh, other continent uh, next to Westeros, Essos, uh, the uh, exiled descendants of the previous king who was deposed by um, the Lannister, uh, Stark, and a bunch of other houses alliance um they're trying to uh claw their way back onto uh Westeros so that they can get power so you have and of course that's that's simplifying there are many more people who want the iron throne than just you know three houses but uh th- that is sort of the main the central conflict that's set up in the uh first season is um Well, I mean, I'm simplifying it because actually the North wants independence, but a- as it goes on, you know, everybody's kind of vying for control of the, of all of Westeros.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think definitely that doesn't get to, to some, some points, but you did, I think, a really right, good job. I, of-
1: I didn't get into a lot of the mythological elements, you know, the fact that there are dragons and, you know, creatures that go bump in the night or whatever. Uh I this, this 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 is of, you know, a fantasy series though. It is in a lot of ways more grounded in reality than uh some other ones. Um there aren't uh as many fictional races of things. Uh there you know, there are things like giants, but there aren't like hobbits uh or elves and stuff like that.
0: Right, right. No, I, I think you did a, a really good job summarizing what is somewhat of at the core of the series because you, you really do have those, those two major uh, conflicts going on of the, the battle in Westeros for independence or control from or of the, the Iron Throne. And then you have Daenerys in Essos making her, her journey back to, um, to Westeros in order to claim her throne. Uh, and I guess the, the one other big conflict that I I just mentioned with the, with the ice zombies was the threat coming from the, the very most Northern regions of Westeros um, from beyond the, I guess the country of Westeros into like the, the, um, the, uh, it's like the Canada of Westeros, <laughs> kind of. If, if if Canada was had had no government and had ice zombies and giants and spiders the size of a car, um, last time I checked, Canada doesn't have any of those things. Uh, I think they have nice moose. No, moose moose are different. Uh, I I much rather see a moose than a giant spider, but. There's the the army of the dead, um, led by these ice uh, zombies, who are trying to pretty much destroy Westeros or usher in this new age of darkness and take over all of humanity. So that is the the third major conflict of the series. But I'm curious, Aaron, if if you not mentioning was that was a sign of that being one of your in in your eyes like one of the less important conflicts or one that you you were less interested in,
1: ooh uh there's definitely a conflict that I have lots of thoughts on um maybe I just it doesn't get super important to the plot of the show until kind of season five is when people start really taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of season six and seven is sort of the build up to that conflict. Um, But yeah, maybe I was just like, I didn't I was trying to make it as less complex because that's why I didn't mention like as many houses mm. as I could have. Fair.
0: Yeah. There, there, there's a lot. Yeah, I, d- I didn't mention house. I zombie. <laughs> hashtag house. ice zombie. They do people still use hashtags anymore. I just feel really old saying that right now.
1: Uh,
0: I, don't, I never understood
1: that. Cause like you can use a hashtag, but things like just trend on Twitter without hashtags now. So I don't even know.
0: Okay, I'm I'm so confused and, and out of Josh is,
1: was having trouble putting Twitter on his BlackBerry.
0: <laughs> on my on my beeper.
1: No, you're on your beeper.
0: <laughs> but I think what you get to in trying to simplify the series is something that is both one of the series' greatest strengths and weaknesses. Is that there is a lot going on, and in an order to they not fully appreciate, but in order to feel like you you have a, a really deep understanding of what's going on, it does require a lot of legwork and a lot of paying attention and keeping track of all these different houses and all these different characters and all their histories. So there's there's a lot to to be mindful of, which makes it rewarding if you take the time to get all that, but also incredibly intimidating to first uh, dive into and almost, uh, I'd say, insurmountable amounts of information to absorb it first so that, you know, I, I know I, I said earlier, if someone's living under a rock and I, I, I shouldn't say it because there's, there's so much to, to get into with this show so that if someone hasn't gotten into it either because it's just not their thing or because they're aware of how much there is to unpack and just don't feel like they have the the you know the the time and energy to do that you know that that's fair and we'll get into how the ending affects our our thoughts about the ending but uh, or our, our thoughts about the series but depending on um what you've heard after it ended you may or may not feel like you've missed a bullet or dodged a bullet I should say. But no, Aaron, I thought you did a good job with the with the overall series summary. Um and I feel like we're jumping in a lot of the series, but I know we want to start with the series premiere since that is the the ten year anniversary we're talking about. So Aaron, would you like to give a, I, I know I already made you do a, <laughs> a, do a, a series today. I know I made you do the series. Uh, summary. do you want to do the, 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 the premiere summary or would you rather I do that? No,
1: I mean the premiere I think is pretty simple. Um, uh, the general plot of the premiere is that, um, the right hand man of the King has, uh, suddenly died so the king is going up to the north to um recruit his old friend uh Eddard Stark Ned Stark for short um to become the hand of the king who is like i said uh right hand man kind of uh sort of like the chief of staff if you're thinking of uh you know in you know real world political uh, terms uh mm-hmm. he kind of you know manages the uh stuff for the uh the king i mean in his case he he probably does more than the chief of staff but um so yeah he he his his old hand died he needs a new one he's going up north um at the same time uh ned uh later in the episode gets a uh letter or well, actually I think it's his wife who gets a letter from her sister who was married to the uh, deceased hand that, uh, the hand, uh, John Aaron, the deceased, um, has actually been murdered and, uh, that she thinks the Lannisters who are the King's in-laws are behind it. Uh, and so Ned is like, well, what do I do? you know, uh, I'm now caught in this conspiracy that, you know, could endanger me and my entire family. But, you know, I have a duty to my King, to my country to, you know, figure things out. So it's sort of, it's like a political thriller, this, you know, especially this first season, um, just in a sort of medieval setting.
0: Yeah, that is a very accurate way of describing it. And, that is probably the most, I don't want to say the most compelling, but the the, the part that I uh, was most attached to from this this premiere. Um, we should also mention that um, while that's really the, the main thing going on, you also have a few other things that set up the other conflicts we mentioned. So you right, have right. The, the Lannisters um, traveling north with the king because uh, the queen, Cersei, Um, is a Lannister and she's married to the king and so she and her siblings are traveling with the king up to the north Um, and then meanwhile you do have Daenerys uh, Targaryen the um, one of the two last remaining uh, descendants of that house who once held the power in Westeros um, who is to be wed to a a warlord named Khal Drogo in order that she and her brother Viserys Targaryen might have uh, their legion of warriors to uh, retake their kingdom. Uh, And at the very beginning you have a little tease of the uh, what's beyond up north as the White Walkers, which are the uh, they the previously mentioned ice zombies um, kill some people who are out on patrol.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the people on patrol, um, uh, the, the people on the wall, the,
0: uh, the wall what, monitors, the Walmart. <laughs> Did you make that up? Yeah, that's good. That's I like that. Um, I also when when you when you repeated on patrol that made me think of that episode of SpongeBob. Yeah, I know. Where I was you... thinking of that too. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, I'm on patrol. Um. Anyway, I'm totally going all over the place here. <laughs> so, but that that is generally what happens during the premiere. So there's a lot of setup to what takes place. Within the first season, as well as the rest of the series,
1: it's a lot of setup for you know an hour
0: mm-hmm. of television. Yeah, it's 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 got a lot to do, a lot of setup, but also just a lot of just introducing. Because one thing I they do in this that I don't remember them doing any other episodes, uh, at least not on the later episodes, is having little. Um, captions to show you where the location is that you're seeing yeah i believe this is the only episode that does it okay uh and then it would
1: kind of have been helpful in some other episodes but they don't do they just said this is the this is the premiere we're we're gonna throw you a bone you know there's already like 500 characters (laughs) you don't need to be confused
0: about the locations too (laughs) just be confused about one thing at a time yeah yeah.
1: Uh, and I will say that, I don't know, if you are talking about what my impression was then versus now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I had very hard time, maybe the first episode, not so much. I think I kind of understood it for the most part. The, the part with the White Walkers, I was like, what the heck is going on? But um, I think the... I was I definitely with the first season. I was a little confused, like who was who, what's all these alliances. Um, I think the premiere again. I'm trying to remember from like seven years ago. Um, I think I generally got the plot of the premiere, but I was a little confused. Um, mm-hmm. and now now I'm like, oh, this is this, and this is so obvious. I mean, that's having watched it once and having read the book, so, um. But at the same time, I don't know. I I don't blame the show for that. It's just there is so much to try to convey. And Mm. it's not like because they try to cram it into an hour. It's just that's sort of just the nature of the story is so multifaceted and, Mm. you know, has so many storylines Um. Though, compared to later episodes, there's only, like, most everything takes place, you know. You know, aside from, like, one scene in King's Landing, everything pretty much takes place in the north. And then there's, like, a couple scenes with Daenerys. She's very much in the periphery of this episode. To the point where I I was like, wait, she's in this episode, right? Because it's (laughs) like, it takes, like, almost like 35 40 minutes before she shows up um yeah so but yeah um not the most exciting episode but definitely um i think you know a good starting point um it it hits all the right you know beats um and I don't think they really could have done it any better than they did, especially if you're talking about the way they adapted it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, for for you, do you feel like it it did an effective job of setting up the rest of the series for you? Uh, It, it does an effective job setting up the
1: plot lines for this season. I mean, setting up the entire series like um, maybe not because you know they they, like they have things like they show the wall in the first scene and I think I was pretty confused about that when I first saw it I was like why is there this giant wall of ice who are these people what is their job Mm -hmm. I mean that is explained in you know, detail in the following episodes. Right. And I will say though, that I don't know this. Maybe for me, I mean, I was already knew I was in going to be in and for the long haul for, you know, watching 10 episodes with my friends, but there, I don't think there is like a moment in this episode that hook would have been like the hook, like, Oh, I really got to watch now. It's like, we're like, Oh, this is interesting. I'll watch another episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing that necessarily really caught you in, in me. Yeah. Say, I, 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 have to I watch don't the think
1: rest. in terms of other premieres of shows that I've watched, that uh it was maybe i mean if you're thinking you know premieres like maybe like lost or breaking bad that i thought had were stronger than this but again um certainly not an episode that like i watched one episode i'm like oh you know this isn't going to be for me i'm not going to watch another episode
0: okay So it it didn't necessarily have any single thing that really grabbed you and and convinced you you had to keep watching, but it didn't also have anything that made you convinced that this was not going to work and that you should just stop there.
1: Yeah. There was was nothing like this is dumb or anything like that. It's like,
0: uh... no, I, I think that's, that's fair. And I, Depending on what you you get out of this series, there there's a lot of that stuff doesn't come till later. And one of the the ways that I know the first few seasons are often described is as a slow burn, because there is a lot of payoff that has those those oh wow moments like I I can't wait to see what happened or like what just what what did I just see like that those do come, but you you do have to wait for them and um you know they're that much more exciting because you have the build up to them. But sometimes the buildup itself is not the most enjoyable part of the ride. It's, it's sort of, if you're on a roller coaster and you're going up to the top of a hill, you know, you're, you're getting some anticipation for what it's going to be like when you go down, but it's not really until you get to the, the peak of the hill that you're like, what am I in for? And right. Then you really it's, get the it's not
1: like if you're watching like an episode of a comedy, like you watch the first you know episode of like family guy you got a pretty good idea what the humor is going to be for the rest of the series and what kind of jokes they are going to be telling mm-hmm. at, le- at least you know before they you know rebooted it um after they got canceled uh so like you you get a pretty good sense of like okay this is what the show is about same with like any s- episodes of um like futurama or anything like that like you know it's like you it gets a good sense of okay this is what the humor is going to be like in this show um
0: right but there's a lot that you don't that you can't tell you don't get from i this think the part premiere. of that is just because it is so serialized
1: um mm-hmm. you could get that from a drama like if you watch like an episode Watch an episode of CSI, you're like, okay, well, this is what the rest of the show is going to be like. It's going to be them using science to solve crimes and stuff like that. But uh, this, this, there's so many things, you know, just to get the plot moving. Right.
0: So that leaves out so many of the the bigger elements that later made this show so popular. So you don't have some more of the, the fantasy elements with either the White Walkers or the dragons. You don't have... The big battles that happen nearly, almost always near the end of a season, um, you don't have as much of the uh, war of, war of wards between characters as they have kind of uh, these kind of intellectual or political battles just with how they they talk with one another and how they connive behind each other's backs. Like you don't have a lot of that in this. Right, so it, right. I mean it it doesn't, just, it's just not it's
1: not, you know, Adam West Batman, which is like the perfect encapsulation <laughs> of that show.
0: Yes. Yeah, as as we talked about in our podcast for um that show, that you you pretty much know what you're getting into.
1: You're gonna get when, Batman, you know, drinking a suspicious glass of orange juice that he orders in a bar wearing his Batman costume from a lady who he should be suspicious
0: <laughs> What a terrible detective. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, and, and I believe that's maybe the, the fourth time I've said anyway today, if not the fifth or sixth. So we are doing a good job staying on task. But I agree that it, it sets up the, the season itself well, even if it doesn't give you a good insight into what the rest of the series is going to be like. I do think it, does a really effective job of introducing you to the characters, though. And that's by the end of the first episode. You generally have a good idea of who each of these characters are at their core. Um, at least in their starting point. So that, I think, is is pretty effective. It does a good job of making sure you're at least aware of the names of the the most important characters and knowing, making sure you're aware of their relationships. Like I remember at first being really confused, uh, like, okay, why is Jon Snow being treated differently than his siblings? Like, oh, okay. Now they have addressed it. It's because he's only their, their half sibling. Got it. Now, now I'm, now I'm cool. Now I get it. But the thing that got me about the, the premiere and, and I, I came from a pretty different Background watching this the first time because I had read all the books first. Uh, that was somewhat of a sticking point. I I want to make. I want to to go in with as much of the the book knowledge as I could. The I, I have a hard time like d- differentiating between my initial reaction to this first episode and my initial reaction to the events of the book because this is a pretty faithful adaptation there are maybe a few minor things that they change but overall it's it's pretty beat for beat the first few chapters of the uh the first book in the series i think if i if i'm remembering correctly it's been a while um did like did they change anything significant that you can remember um
1: as far as events that happen, I don't really they they i mean they think they've condensed some of the amount of time it t- it took uh for certain things to happen um I think you maybe spend a l- there's more of like the Doth- Dothraki Darthraki wedding maybe than uh there is in this uh episode mm. um uh, Jorah might have like a bigger introduction than he does in this where he just has like one line and leaves <laughs> <laughs> pretty much um but uh otherwise I think it's pretty yeah I think it's uh from my recollection pretty faithful um not so much about the plot of this episode but I mean when we go we talk about changes uh to the books uh The only real noticeable thing is that uh, most of the Stark family, or I guess all the Stark family, and I guess in some regard, I guess everybody else has been aged up by a couple years. So Mm -hmm. it's been a little longer since Robert's Rebellion. So the children are a little bit older and Ned is a little bit older than he is in the books. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but only by like a few years. yeah thank you for bringing that up because that is something that I sort of wanted to get into just because when i so when I watched this yesterday, my first reaction to seeing every single character who um who became a major player throughout the series was, what is going on? They look like a baby. Like why? Little, little why baby is,
1: face, John snow, yeah,
0: little like what, pouty face, John snow. Like, what is he doing here? He's not even old enough to drink. He doesn't even have his license yet. Come on, get him off the show. Just everyone looks so young. Yeah.
1: Like, um, but in the like, books, so i so like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. But in the books are actually even younger. So, um, which we've done for, I guess, several reasons. Uh, One is that they didn't want to rely on actors that were that uh, young if they could. Mm -hmm. I think uh, another part of it was, I don't know, maybe they wanted to age them closer to what Sean Bean's age was, like how old his children would be. Maybe, Mm. I don't know. People have kids at different ages, so. Um, I think the big reason is because there's a lot of sex scenes in the books that they didn't want to have minors as these characters, so they aged aged them up a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. But it was it was so shocking, having watched the whole series, to see how young all of these actors and actresses looked. Uh, at the time, just like looking over how young they were, in fact. So uh, Maisie Williams, who played uh, Arya, she was what? she, was, like she was 13. Oh, she was she 13. Was 13, 13. Okay. Well, she was 13 when it released. She was 12 when they when they filmed it. She looks 12. Um, Emilia clark who plays Daenerys. She was uh, 23 or 24. Um, Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa was 14 or 15. Kit Harington was 23 or 24. So yeah, they were the, they were all young, even if they were aged up from the books, but it, it's so weird to, to see them having grown. And that's something you get with a lot of these, these shows that manage to have you know a a handful of seasons is watching younger characters grow up like you definitely get that with the stranger things um but it was just really weird uh and then also thinking about how much these characters or the the actors have grown in um notoriety Because before this you know a lot of these actors were I don't think they would be considered even C-list like they were fairly unknown. And then today, any of these actors is now an immediate A-list star where if you can get a Peter Dinklage, if you can get um, Kit Harington, if you get Sophie Turner in your movie or show, they are automatically the highest build because they have such name recognition now.
1: Right, you're right. Uh, even Peter Dinklage, um, who, besides Sean Bean, would have been the most well-known actor, had really, of, of aside from like a couple independent movies, he, 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 honestly was because of his dwarfism was given a lot of crappy roles. So this was the first time that he was really, I'm not say the first time, but and anything of this scale, given you know. The opportunity to show how good of, you know, an actor he was and how he could be in, you know, such a big project. Yeah. Um, And then Sean Bean, of course, I think. I mean, I think that. One of the reasons why this episode works is that the fact that Sean Bean is the one who plays Ned you needed somebody with name recognition, so like even if you couldn't remember all the other characters, you could at least fall back on that's sean bean he's he's the main guy, yeah
0: yeah he he really anchors this first season in a way that was necessary, and it's it's so weird to think that. Spoilers, he's, he's not in the rest of the series after the first season. He was because, voted off the island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was voted out of the tribe. Yeah, he uh, he just was not uh, not cut for it. But it is... And this is something that I know you and I have talked about with different shows and, and movies about how bold a decision it is to... Introduce a certain main character and then throw them away and say, actually, he's not important or she's not important. These are the people that are important. That is such a bold decision, especially when this first episode is so, so embedded in Ned Stark's journey and in his inner turmoil about his duty to his family versus his duty to. Um, Robert Baratheon, the King, it, it's, it's so centralized in him. Uh, like even in your, your introduction of what the, the episode's about, it, it all revolves around him and then for him to not be in the rest of the series, it's such a, it's such a dramatic move that in many ways should not work, but somehow does.
1: Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think the reason why it does work is because when he is ridden off,
0: okay, can we say that he gets killed? We can say that. Yeah. Okay. I, I think we can say that ten up to ten years after the uh, when the
1: he process. get when he gets killed off, they've uh, they've made you like him and his family enough that you want to be like he's not on there anymore. You gotta get justice for Ned. Hashtag justice for Ned
0: right yeah his his presence is felt throughout the series, even if he is only in it for the first several episodes
1: well he, be and it's just like and and just you know him leaving is what kind of propels everything forward. is like you want the action, this is the you know the spark that lights the fire is is you know. No more Ned Stark. Mm. Uh, the
0: Spark that lights the fire that burns down the first order. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To quote but, uh, that Star burns Wars. down House Lannister. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it is in, in, in a non ironic way. Uh. But. I know anything else um specifically from this uh this episode sticking out to you um I know uh for me it's some of it some of it just has to do with the production um mm. they had uh so they had filmed a pilot that apparently um both George R R, R. Martin and the uh either HBO or the people who they were, you know, pitching it to uh, or helping them pitch it to, or we were like, this isn't going to work. So they filmed that and then they had to go back and refilm most of the scenes. So there are a few... There are a few uh, remnants of that first pilot, which, again, it's, it's the same, you know, plot. It's just they had to you know refilm a lot of stuff but there are a few um uh some actors look a little different um i don't know if you noticed uh there are it's only like two or three scenes sean bean's hair is like completely different um
0: oh i don't think i noticed that
1: yeah when he's uh starting with uh when they go down to the crypt to visit uh, his sister's grave, um, his hair, instead of like falling down to like the sides is like slicked back and also looks like it's dyed a little bit, like it's dyed a little darker Brown. And it oh. could, um, the same with, uh, when they go hunting at the end of the episode and during the, uh, the feast, like Sean Bean's hair is like completely different. Like there's like no continuity. Um, also, which is, I don't know. Most people wouldn't have noticed. Um, and I probably would not have noticed if they, if I didn't read it is that all the, uh, all the stuff for the, you know, they shot for the second pilot was shot digitally. The few scenes for the first one were shot on film. So it, the, uh, the picture quality, or not the quality, but just like the the way it looks is a tiny bit different. Mm. Um, I, I, but and there's just like other stuff, like you can. There's one scene where Alfie Allen, who plays, uh, um, Theon, like his hair mm. is blonde. Uh, in in one scene it's a really quick like and you'll miss it thing but like his hair is like like blonde instead of what you know brown or whatever theon's color hair color is supposed to be
0: i may have noticed that one i i was aware that there was a an unaired pilot that they had some pieces left from but i i didn't realize yeah. how much i mean it really... looking at it yeah, there was apparently they they reshot ninety percent of. The pilot. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm actually surprised that they kept any of because, I mean, most people don't notice continuity errors. Um, I mean, now if they did that now, when like or like Game of Thrones when it was really popular, people were like, "Why does Ned look different? Is there time travel? What's going on?" <laughs> but uh, and in the first episode, people aren't going to notice that. Also, that scene is especially at the scenes in the feast and in the crypts are both lit really darkly. So you wouldn't probably notice that his hair is uh, styled differently. Right? Yeah, that is, that is helpful,
0: but, uh, but I am surprised
1: them, they didn't just replace it. I don't know if maybe they were on a tight schedule.
0: From, from what I read, they had the first pilot and then HBO looked at it and pretty much everyone involved was like, this is, garbage, but we're <laughs> going to give you, but we're going to give you the series. So, but we'll only give you the series if you fix the pilot. So I, I think they, there was a bit of a, a time crunch and that they, they knew now that the series was greenlit, but they had to make a lot of changes, but that didn't stop them from, I mean, the, the changes are pretty extensive though, because one of the Uh, complaints was that you they were unclear about some of the relationships in the show so much so that um, people watching said they they weren't aware that uh, Cersei and Jaime were siblings
1: right and so so
0: that's pretty important to know right I know I, I was reading that they added a
1: lot of ADR and just lines to the script of people saying you know Tyrion is the sister, is the queen's brother. You know Jamie Lannister <laughs> is the you know twin brother to the queen. Stuff like that.
0: Yeah, uh, I and totally I, got that.
1: Apparently the the producers uh was it DB Weiss and David Benioff, they were like this stuff was annoying. We didn't like
0: putting it in, but it was necessary. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was it was very telling when Arya kept like asking like where Tyrion was and like ah hey look Sansa it's that person it's like okay actually, we, we yeah get it. yeah uh, but they also had to recast some pretty important roles so uh, the two biggest roles they had to recast were Daenerys originally she was played by Tamsin Merchant uh, before being replaced by Amelia Clark. and originally Catelyn Stark. Um, the matriarch of the Stark family was played by Jennifer Eel, uh, before being replaced by Michelle Fairley. So they, they had to replace two of the most important women in this premiere. So that, that tells you that there were some big changes. Yeah, that, that
1: is interesting. Um, it's not the first time that a show has done something like this, um, not really related to game of thrones but there's a very similar similar situation happened when they shot the uh, pilot for power rangers where several of the characters
0: were played by different actors. Oh, I mean game of thrones power rangers basically the same show pretty much both kid friendly <laughs> very <laughs> uh actually that that might be a, a good place for us to to kind of get into some of this episodes I don't. I don't know how to say this. Any of our things about the show that we had forgotten about, or um, things that stuck out to us that maybe we hadn't remembered. Um, I, I mentioned already, just the the age of the actors and actresses was somewhat surprising for me. Was there anything that jumped out to you that you had forgotten about, or just was uh, a bit jarring for you?
1: So, for me, I don't think there was anything big um, when it comes to the uh, things that I forgot about. I will say... I and I, I had something. Maybe you should go first, because I, I had something in my head, and then I totally forgot what it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's okay. There were two things that stuck out to me that I had forgotten about were so prominent or that were even a focus. The first one was how much of this first season is based on the mystery of who killed John Aaron. Um and, and I guess the 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 following seasons are too to a degree, but it's really the the main driving point for for Ned's story um is him trying to uncover why John Aaron is dead, and who's behind it, and how it um, connects with the Lannisters, and uh, what threat it is to to Robert. Um, and that I'm I'm surprised I forgot that because for me that was the thing about this first season and the the first book in the series that I was most interested in. That is what got me hooked, and that is what made me convinced that I need to keep reading and watching because I really wanted to see how that played out. Um, and I I can't believe I forgot about that. Um, but I I think it shows how much the the series grew out of that. So that I'm actually trying to remember now who killed him. Was it wasn't it Littlefinger? <laughs> so so I also couldn't remember who killed him. So I also had to Google it. And it was Littlefinger with help of Lysa. Lysa poisoned uh, John Aaron. and then Littlefinger told her to blame the Lannisters in a letter to uh, to Catelyn Stark. But it still doesn't quite make sense. And technically, that's only what they've revealed in the um, in the show. I think in the in the book they also have. Um, reveal it but they, they've never really gotten into like why Littlefinger did it exactly um, so it's kind of kind of muddy but that was along with the political intrigue was what really got me interested in it and quickly after this first season that mystery element of it is dropped like there's I, I can't think of any other time that there was a um There are things where we want answers for, like, oh, like who are the White Walkers? Like, what's their deal? But not in the same sense of our characters are gathering evidence and investigating to find out the truth. That really doesn't come back in the series, which is disappointing because I thought that was a super compelling part, and I uh, I'm a little sad It, it dropped off. But it just there wasn't any room for it with everything else that was going on. And once Ned's dead, there's really no point to it anymore um because then the the focus shifts from who killed John Arryn to well Ned's been killed by the Lannisters and and that you know causes the the continent to erupt in war so it's 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 necessary that it, it falls off but I I missed it and was both happy and sad to see it come up in this first episode were there two? Didn't you say there were two things? Yeah, there's, and the other thing is that, and I'm not going to be like hitting any uh, new ground here, but the the show's treatment of women has always been um, a sticking point and and a, a very uh, well deserved criticism of the show, and I didn't realize how early on you you already got that. Um, that problem where like very quickly in this first episode, you get a lot of that um, sex position as, as I think some critics have called it where kind of just introducing um, unnamed women characters, especially um, characters who are sex workers and, and having them really have no real, um, focus or uh, importance to the role, just other than just being there and kind of using them to make scenes that are not particularly interesting just kind of go by quicker. Um, but and then I totally forgot that for Daenerys, that her relationship with Cal Drogo is, I mean, it's, it, I think. After the fact it's portrayed as, oh, this this really strong relationship, but they very much do not start in a healthy relationship. and I didn't realize that their their first day of marriage like ends in um, sex that is not consensual. And it was hard to watch, especially considering how the series goes from there and has a really terrible habit of using sexual violence as a tool of character growth for different characters so it it even from the very beginning some of the show's worst habits were still on display and I didn't realize how early it started that and uh, it's I don't know if it's the if it's the the HBO of it all that those things are included or if it's more just I mean, a lot of that is in Martin's writing, but it it is one of the the criticisms of the series that I think is definitely the most valid, and definitely one that for a lot of people, understandably, will make it too difficult to to get into the show. And I and I definitely don't blame anyone for that because some of it can be quite upsetting.
1: Yeah, I mean, um. as as it goes on to the second point, um, I, I think that, you know, a lot of, you know, the stuff about like sexual violence and stuff like that. Um, a lot of that stuff is in there. Um, the sex position, uh, a lot of that is, uh, HBO. Um, I feel like, um, there's definitely, you know, a lot of sex in the books, but as far as stuff like, uh, violence of women and stuff like that I, I mean i think a lot of that stuff is you know it's not like i think i know the reason why that stuff is in the book is because martin in his the themes of the series are just, a lot of it is about demystifying ideas of chivalry and knighthood and stuff like that now Caldrogo was not a knight it, it, it goes beyond stuff it it goes beyond the medieval, you know, sense of, you know, chivalry and knighthood, but also just the, uh, the idea of, uh, sort of like, these are the, you know, we sort of, uh, idealize or, you know, fantasize sometimes about, you know, going to war for a worthy cause and stuff like that. And, uh, you, you see time and again, That uh, people will abuse, uh, you know, women and children and stuff like that, um, whether, you know, sexually or through pillaging and stuff like that, Um, that I think, you know, it is. I think like really deep under. You know, a lot of the, you know, spectacle, at least in the books, there is a sort of anti war, anti anti-violence against women and stuff, uh, uh, you know, line in the books, but it's sort of to portray that they have to show it sort of like, yeah. And I think you can also sort of debate on like, well, as is Martin as a man justified to be the one who's going to want to be the person who talks about it. There was just this article actually, uh, about this new series on Amazon, about um uh this series that was talking about uh I think it's called like them or something. It's all about uh like uh black families living in suburbia in the fifties and just talks about how like like terrible like the characters are treated and like how they're tortured and like the point of it um either the point of that or the point of other criticism was that because the story is being told by a white woman that uh, you know these. There are certain stories should be told by certain people, even if they're trying to be helpful and you know addressing those issues. And I'd, I, know that's a tricky subject, but I think you know for for Mark, I don't think Mark gets away, you know, completely. I think, um, uh, particularly with like some of the, the scenes with like people in brothels, I think he seems to have a very like uh, simplistic view of like, you know, these women are, you know, saying that, you know, they're just there to please you and they're acting all, you know, sexy, but like, that's not getting the, like, what is that woman's story? How does she end up there? Who, you know, how, you know, who's, well, that's not completely true because we do get a little bit about Littlefinger and why he's a terrible person for, multiple reasons but like that's not always portrayed sometimes that can be lost
0: right and to, to some of your points there is a like a, a critique of these these acts built in there and there's also this sense of well this is really what it was back then like it, it wasn't all like knights and shining armors and that kind of going against the, um, the beliefs that Sansa expressed in this episode where she's really caught up in this idea of, Oh, these, these knights and these, these princes, they're all so wonderful and perfect. And over the series, she has a a very rude awakening of, of what all of that is actually like. And, and that has its, its, its value, but I think it's, I think it's telling in some of the ways it's shot, like even with, um, even with someone like Daenerys where it's, it's very, um, I'm just like the way her scenes are shot, um, where like she, um, is nude. Like those are things that like the, just the way it's filmed. Like, Like it's even though those are all filmed in the context of her brother is um, doing some incredibly inappropriate and and you know disgusting things, Uh, and then Khal Drogo is forcing himself on her. Even though those things are happening, the way it's shot is not like it's it's like there's a sense of dread from Daenerys, but I don't think the camera captures the. Right, no, I I
1: totally agree, especially um, um, there's a lot of, I would say, within the series, uh, I mean, I think an important part of, you know, Martin's, you know, world building is he doesn't want to shy away from, like, sexuality, which you don't really get at all in something like The Lord of the Rings, because he wants to portray it as more of, like, a world where we recognize people have, you know, sexual desire. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I. But I, at the same time, uh, I'll, I'll, there was, you know, definitely stuff in this episode. Like, we didn't. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm. I'm gonna say, like, not as a guy. I'm not gonna say, like, oh, I never like enjoyed seeing any of this stuff. But like, I under also understand, like, I don't need to see it. Um, there was no point in. Especially with the first scene with Danny and Viserys, she didn't have to get naked in that scene. There was no point of it. it. It, um, as far as you know, stuff with the the wedding night, they could have maybe shot it a little bit different. So it sort of like comes to like where you know, sort of pick and choose is like it sort of has to be motivated, at least most of the time. I mean, I think again in Martin's world, he doesn't want to so shy away. From like sometimes people are going to be naked and there's no deeper meaning other than that's the setting that they're in. But like, um, yeah. Um, and what, and and I think a lot of it just has to do with the producers not really getting, getting it. Um, they talked about, uh, the scene where they're all getting shaved. They put in because they were told there was such a gender imbalance with the, the Stark, uh, boys and Theon. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: but like that that hardly even compares. It's like one scene, um i mean i mean at least they addressed it in some way but um and like and again it's like as a guy i don't want to see a bunch of like as someone who doesn't really want to see a bunch of nail nudity at least i know there is an imbalance um so i don't know it is tricky um i think and just someone's like showing having the you know more like reprehensible actions is sort of like tough to depict in something you want to be a big like if you want it to be like a real like academic you know genre changing work uh like i understand why i'd be in that but like in a series that you want to sell like trading cards for like that becomes kind of a icky to think about it's like sort of like it's less you know what I mean it's like it's less academic or academics maybe not the right word but like thematic you know like literary and more like profiting
0: off of it mm-hmm. um and can I add to something really quick yeah and this is i I think where where my criticism comes is not so much that it goes into those things because i I do think both as a exploration of like a, a realistic setting, you know, that's a somewhat necessary thing to include. And also as a as a critique of um, violence against women and some of the other things that we see happen throughout the show. Like those, those are important things to include, but I think some of the choices they make and how they're incorporated is where you get into it being problematic. Um, oh, yeah. I
1: mean, it, it It only got worse on the show. I mean, let me tell you that. And I think m- more of that lies on the producers than it does on Martin. Certainly some of the blame, you know, you know, whether, you know, maybe, you know, just his, he, you know, he's like, I, well, I want to make money off, you know, the show, but. I'm going to leave it in the hands of these producers and they didn't end up being, you know, maybe the best as far as conveying some of his themes. Um, uh, I will say, and I don't know, I never really got the relationship between uh, Daenerys and Khal Drogo, why it was later portrayed as loving. Um, In the book, it's kind of sort of more consensual uh yeah but that also sort of like doesn't necessarily make it much better but i don't know i always kind of like felt like she had some sort of weird case of stockholm syndrome like i don't know cal drogo never seemed like a great guy um but um i know i never really liked that part of her character i didn't really like the fact that she clung to cal drogo as some sort of character or some sort of husband to look back fondly on. Um, yeah, but, um, um, yes, that stuff. Uh, I mean, there were scenes that were, you know, consensual that were turned into, you know, non-consensual in, uh, in the books. There's, there's one infamous scene with Jamie and, uh, Cersei, um, the whole thing, uh, uh, with uh, the treatment of Sansa in season five is awful. Um, though even like the 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 stuff that it changed from the book is terrible too. And I think in the case of themes that you know, Martin was trying to explore with his his treatment of Jane Poole, I think was excessive to the point mm-hmm. that we didn't need to get as many details as we did. Um, Though, I mean, to be fair, there's also, and not really touched on in the books, or in the show, there's also sexual abuse of Theon later when he becomes Reek. Um, No. But, yeah, I mean, again, this is the problem when, like, you have, like, this is supposed to be, like, a popcorn kind of show, but then you have, like, this really, like, graphic content, um, which when it comes to the violence it is a lot easier to stomach. Cause people are like, well, not to say there isn't real world violence, but like people don't go hacking each other with swords every day. I are get, getting roasted alive by, you know, dragons. That happens to me every Thursday. Yeah. Um, if I very much like, I don't know. I feel like, especially early on with the show, the show got, uh, you know, more and more of a following. But as it went on this or as it started, I think they kinda wanted to like get the I don't know. This is maybe undeserved, maybe it isn't. It is deserved. They kinda wanna get like the bro crowd so they're like, oh yeah, we'll put in a bunch of nudity, we'll put in a bunch of sex and violence and swearing. It's you know, everything you want a Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings to be, but like, mm. you know, you know, you know the weekend is Party, football, Game of Thrones, mm. and it's sort of like tricking people. Like, oh, there is this really intricate plot, but you know, we're gonna, you know, trick you into watching it by putting all, you know, the sex, violence, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I I don't know if that's completely justified. I think they definitely did. Like, oh well, obviously more guys would be interested in this, so we're gonna put more, you know uh needless uh female nudity
0: in it uh. yeah i i i think that I, I i haven't watched one of these in a while but i know there's a a youtube channel called honest trailers where they did like a i don't, I don't know if it, i would say it was like satirical it was somewhat satirical though um description of what the series is like and that they go into like how yeah <laughs> sometimes it's just it's just there um and i i yeah i i think you're right that's more of an hbo thing than anything else but um something i think that is important to bring up uh and i, and I guess as we talk about that we're kind of getting more into the series overall so but before we get into that uh, did you have any other thoughts about the the series premiere, which I should mention is called "Winter Is Coming." I, I don't think I mentioned that yet. The, the, the name of the oh, <laughs> uh, that's um, an afterthought on my part.
1: Well, that's an interesting point because, like, I don't think it really like stuck to me, or I had to like look it up later. as like the, the, it's called Winter's Is Coming," and I didn't really like understand that. Like, okay, I've watched three seasons. Why is winter not here? <laughs> and I like the idea that that that's that's their motto that like that's the idea that like the Starks always live for the coming, you know, hard, you know, harshness of, you know, winter and just life in general. That you sort of like always have to be prepared. Um, I will just notice that people got were upset with um kind of the later seasons for uh kind Of jumping around time wise, um, this episode kind of does too, mm-hmm. but like I th- they can get away with it because it's the first episode and because the later episodes in the season slow down. So you like you have the Lannisters in King Landing, and then like 15 minutes later, they're up in uh Winterfell. It's like right. that, like for average episode people would not put up with that but because it's the premiere they put it up with that though i was thinking like you don't really need to have them and show john aaron but it's just i think it kind of helps explain the situation more rather just like to get all this information off screen and not see a dead body uh with, with john aaron um also you you'll Notice, I don't know how much time is supposed to pass between the beginning, the the episode and the end. The direwolves age or they, they grow like exponentially within the first episode.
0: So there's a line that the, um, the Royal party has been traveling for, I think a month. Okay. So they, they, they've, they've traveled from a month from King's Landing up to, to Winterfell. So, and yeah, I know that, um, I think it's Catelyn that makes the comment about how the direwolves have grown so fast.
1: Right, yeah. Um, And again, supposedly sort of like the idea of the continent of Westeros is what if it was the British Isles were the size of South America? So, uh, roughly. Mm. So, I don't know if a month is enough to travel from, you know, near south of south america to the top probably not but well it's
0: not the exact top so i don't know yeah. but that is definitely a criticism that came up uh-huh. in season seven and season eight is the speed uh-huh. at which at the speed at which at, yeah i can't talk today the the speed at which with, with mm, <laughs> the, the, the speed they traveled there we go there we go i'm just gonna skip those words the, the speed Yoda they travel there <laughs> Uh, the, the speed they traveled between locations and they kind of I know fast some, people like, was, yeah, some
1: people were like, yeah, some people like, this is just like, you know, The Witcher, you not the show, but like, or, you know, any RPG, you've gone to a location now, you can fast travel
0: to it. Right. Yeah. But that is something that is here in this pilot, which was, I guess, something else that I was surprised to see that I yeah. had forgotten about.
1: Um, I will say say Oh yeah, can I say that again not knowing the relationship between characters I I did enough to like when I, when I two things. So the first thing is I see Cersei and Jamie together up in the tower and I'm like what the heck is this show doing? Why aren't they brother and sister? What is going on? <laughs> and then when uh, the second reaction was he just killed that like 10 year old kid man the show is dark he <laughs> pushes uh, Bran off the, the tower um, yeah uh, but I, I guess going into more of the series uh, I don't know uh, when you were introduced to the series did it have any sort of like I guess reputation because my, the reputation that I was told was that it's the best story ever. Nothing is cliche. Your favorite character will die constantly. (laughs) Um, and I mean, well, whether or not it's the greatest thing ever is debatable. Um, saying that nothing is cliché in this is absolutely untrue and the fact that my favorite character died all the time is untrue too but it also kind of depends on the the person as far as favorite character they they made it sound like every few episodes a new character be introduced i get attached to them and then they die that's not what happened if you were watching a season like season 4 Obern became your favorite character and then he died I understand
0: uh,
1: but it's not it, it's not like that right they they, they with the, you know they the main cast is intact for most of the show um I already knew that going in that Ned was gonna die. I, I got spoiled at some point. So that wasn't a surprise to me. So Ned was my favorite character of the first season, but I knew he was going to die. Uh, then I guess mm, Tyrion was my favorite character. I don't know. I never really thought about it too much. Uh, and Tyrion lives through the rest of the show. Right. And then just like the show got that reputation and it didn't make take as many risks as okay. If Rob. Was your favorite character? He got killed off. That was hard to swallow. Uh, of course, if you were reading the books, Rob probably wasn't your favorite character because he wasn't a point of view character, right? Um, and, and and just sort of like it, it gets credit for that. But then it's like, let's kill Jon Snow and bring him back. I just, I'm sorry, I I I, I dislike pretty much dislike that. We can get into. If we're getting into controversial uh, uh, Game of Thrones opinions, uh, either Jon Snow should have not died at all, which I think actually a lot of people would agree with, or he should have stayed dead, which a lot of people would disagree with. (laughs) And And I know you're probably thinking if he stayed dead, they probably couldn't have a show, which might be true. But that goes up into the White Walker plot, which I don't know. One of the themes that Martin was supposedly uh going up against was he didn't like all the you know you know one dimensional dark Lord characters, and yet at least in the show, that's pretty much what we get with the White walkers and the Night King uh yeah. who's the leader of the White walkers uh We never really learned about his motivation but at the same time, I don't know if I could really buy like some weird ice zombie having this really complex motivation. So I I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel like the show got too fantasy. Like mm. once they, you know, got really deep into the White Walker lore except they didn't. Okay, so they didn't get. But like when they became a really big part of the show and all of a sudden we we have to have people theorizing about time travel because Bran did a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um and people were getting resurrected. So it's just like... might have wanted to keep it down a little more. Like, okay, there are dragons. Uh, maybe one person gets resurrected. Uh, but not Jon Snow. And they're... And the character I'm talking about is Don Dondarian in the show. And he's been resurrected so many times that he can hardly remember who he was in past uh, life. John just seems a little like grumpier
0: <laughs> and he was already grumpy. Yeah.
1: So I think that the show and part of the series was always about, you know, going from a world that lost magic to that has magic again. But like, I think it got too much into the magic part. Um, At that, like there's too, there's too much, uh, stuff with like prophecies and stuff like that. I've, I've had enough prophecies in, you know, my, you know, fiction that I don't really need any, any more.
0: Yes. If we could do without chosen ones for the next decade or two, that'd be cool. We didn't have in star Wars.
1: And then George Lucas was like, we need, we need to, well, now he, he, if you look at his original writings, he had some stuff in there, but that didn't get apparent until the prequels. Um, yeah, is there anything like un anything opinion about like the the pacing of the show, or how it adapted certain things, or just unpopular opinions that you have?
0: I don't know if any of my opinions are particularly unpopular. Uh, to to your original point about what was like the reputation of the show when I got into it, it definitely was the sense that this is so gritty and realistic and also they're willing to kill off anyone which is untrue they they are not willing to call off anyone. I have
1: never watched a show that's been willing to kill anyone but I've watched shows that have been very willing to kill off uh popular characters yeah and 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 overall this show is one of them though so I I think it doesn't really deserve i know it made it it made it vogue or all the rage or whatever the term is but it certainly wasn't the first or last thing to do it
0: no no it it wasn't but it it had a habit of not so much killing off characters. I mean Lost that... had so
1: many dead characters that they built a whole graveyard for them.
0: That <laughs> they had to create a whole alternate dimension for the <laughs> Oh, okay, let's it. not get into that. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, now I it it definitely had a sense that like they could kill off lots of characters and those those deaths would be surprising. But in terms of everyone is not safe. Not true. Sure. Plenty of p- plot armor was involved. Plenty of times that when Jon was uh, up in the north uh, he should have died when he was around the wildlings or when he was around um, the White Walkers. Um,
1: right. I yeah. never believed, like, I might have believed that they could kill Tyrion but certain characters, like Arya was way too popular that I never believed they would kill her. And Daenerys was way too important that I never thought that they would kill her because so much of it was building up to her traveling across the narrow sea. So they're not just going to kill her. Um, Right. And uh, John sort of, um, I think I had already like knew that he had so and so been killed. Yeah. But But definitely once he got back,
0: I'm like, they're not going to kill him again. (laughs) (laughs) No. Kill me once, shame on you. Kill me twice, shame on me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just, it could never top, but I mean, it should give it
1: credit for like, for, especially because Rob is a more prominent character in the show, killing Rob and Catelyn, and one thing that I do like is that Catlin gets sort of pseudo resurrected in the books that doesn't really go anywhere. I like that she just stays dead in this mm-hmm. um, so that they killed both of them uh and I just i i mean there are reaction like dozens of reaction videos, hundreds of reactions videos to the the red wedding because of how shocking it was. you know it's right. arguably more shocking than uh Ned's death mm-hmm. because you sort of like, oh well, they're building up like, well, his son is going to get revenge
0: for him. It's like, no, he dies too. Right. Yeah, I I don't think it, it, it's fair to say that like your favorite character is going to die, but I do think it's fair to say that there are going to be some surprise in this if you don't come in with prior knowledge. And that those surprises, especially some of the surprise deaths and reveals um Renly our, was
1: my favorite character and they killed him halfway through season 2.
0: <laughs> I think you're thinking of the wrong baratheon. There we,
1: there uh, we could go into a whole podcast about Stannis the Manus,
0: of course. But we 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 should probably kind of start uh wrapping things up. But before we do that, I I wanted to see um you mentioning Stannis uh, do you have any favorite characters or or storylines um, throughout the series? Uh, I well, I really like the storyline. F-
1: okay, so if I have to have three favorite storylines, uh, one is probably the first season. I guess they're just seasons. I guess. Yeah, go for it. I mean, I mean this—I uh, don't know—not in any particular order, but I like the storyline even though I didn't understand it when I was watching it for the first season, it's all about Ned uncovering the conspiracy um, in King's Landing. Um, I like a lot of the uh, stuff with Tyrion in power as Hand of the King in season two. Uh, just because it's uh, it's fun to see what he does with that power and how like clever he is and stuff like that. Um, and then season four, when he's accused of killing Joffrey, that, that, that for me, season four was like, wow, they like usually they have the big event at the end of the, the season. They had it like right at the beginning and it just like everything was so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so those plot lines, I, I didn't care as much for I mean, always, everyone always talks about how much they hated the Dorn plot line in season five. Um, I didn't really like too much. I don't know. Them getting Winterfell fact back in season six was entertaining, but it took forever. Yeah,
0: it it was a process. And i I have to agree with with two of the things you uh, two of your favorite moments. I I really really enjoy. Ned uncovering the truth about John Aaron, um, and the trial of Tyrion. And I guess, I guess that is the closest thing to another mystery we have is like who was responsible for, um, for Joffrey's death. That, that is right. But like, they kind of reveal it early on.
1: Like they're like, no, it was Olenna and, uh, little finger.
0: Right. Right. Um, that's true. You you don't necessarily have to, to wait long to, to learn about that as much as the characters have to wait to, to find the truth. But those are two of my favorite moments. And then the other, and this might be a little, I, I guess you asked earlier if I had a controversial opinion, and this might be the closest thing, is in season, I guess it's seven, when Daenerys first comes to Westeros, I think that is all incredibly compelling when she's first after like all this buildup of like, when the heck is she going to actually get to Westeros when she's there and she's going through her conquest that I think is so exciting because you, you've built up to this and you've got the point of like, well, she's got dragons. How could she lose? And then she like loses several times and how it really pushes her and Tyrion Um, and the Lannisters in these really different directions and, and really forces them to make difficult decisions. I know once you get to the later seasons, that's, it's probably not quite as strong, but, um, I, I really felt that the payoff for that was, was worth it at, at least until season eight.
1: No, I, I think that, and Hey, we haven't gotten that in the books yet. So to see that was a sort of, uh, gratifying in a way, uh, um. that yeah this is like we've been waiting for so long Uh, but yeah not just have it her just completely wreck everybody I mean it looks like that way early on but like I you know if we just had that show without the ice zombies I think we just wouldn't have been better off but then there would have been no purpose I don't know then there would have been less purpose for people on the wall I don't know yeah. It's it's and hard I, I to guess, go like into a deep rewrite of like the structure of the show because mm. it's sort of like you change one thing and it changes five other things.
0: Right. And I I may be a little bit warmer on the ice zombies than you. That was that was an intentional pun, I'll tell you that. Um I I, I may be a little bit more forgiving and interested in them than you were. Uh because I really thought it was compelling seeing John have this this race against the clock and this desperate um, this desperate need to convince others that this threat was real I thought that was you know incredibly like you could feel his frustration and you could see also some real world parallels with Know, trying to convince people that uh, like climate change is real and something has to be like uh, addressed now. Like th- there, there was something really full of dread about it that I think was was powerful and that it, it worked at times, but too often it felt like a side note. And as long as it was a side note, it just felt tacked on. And then when the time they actually got to addressing it, they just went through it so quickly that it felt like wow, this really was the C plot after all. I guess I didn't have to worry about this. Mm -hmm. So I guess going on, on that note, um, thinking of the, the final season and it's been, I guess like two years now since, since that came out about about, um, how, how did your, your reaction to the, the series ending, um, impact your rewatch of this show or just how does it impact just revisiting the show overall for you
1: uh it is a little weird uh but i don't know those first four seasons before they lost material uh with the books um season five roughly and even parts of season six are part of the books but see the first four seasons are really the parts where like they're following the track that the books set um, I was just really strong, so um, I still kinda enjoy going back or even just watching clips, even if I know that I wasn't particularly satisfied where where it all ended um as far as me recommending it to somebody um I don't know it depend you gotta ask that you know like how important is <laughs> is the the destination? Uh, to you you know when Mm. it compared to the journey (laughs) though there are some people who must like the ending
0: yeah it and to to be fair the ending is not without its merits there there are things about the ending that i uh enjoy but i think not enjoy but I, i thought were well done but could have um execute a lot better i
1: mean there's a certain like epic drama-ness at the, the, the last season where it's like john has to make the ultimate sacrifice for everybody again essentially yeah. and sort of like the way that inverted our expectations from the very beginning but like i don't know there's so much other stuff going on that we could have we we had a whole podcast you know two years ago when that thing ended so so there's so much to talk about
0: right there is an epic
1: drama to it but you know maybe
0: not executed well yeah so yeah I don't think the the ending tarnishes the rest of the show but it does make me more hesitant to go back and revisit it because I think so much of the way the show was promoted and, and so much of just the internal um, narrative, like, moving forward is about, like, who is going to triumph? Like, how is this going to end? That is really a core part of this. It's like, who is going to go on the Iron Throne? Um, you saw it with, like, all the different promotional material, like, okay, let's take a picture of every single character it's in the Iron Throne. Is it going to be um... Is it going to be Sam Tarley? Maybe, huh? Huh? No, he's not. Um, so it they just focus so much on that that it's it's hard for me to get invested again. But knowing that there are elements of it that stand alone does make those more satisfying and and kind of help me distinguish the the journey from the destination. Like you said, the the exception. Might be Daenerys though. I somewhat feel like her ending of the from the show poisoned everything else for her, in my opinion. That's that's fair. Um, I would just say like again
1: recommending the show. It depends on how much you can tolerate how nasty like so many of these characters are to each other. You know, we we talked about the treatment of women, but just like, you know torture and violence and that's not gonna be for
0: a lot of people right if if there's a show that you uh definitely need to make sure the kids are asleep for before you turn it on this is one of those shows right yeah you're not the cool parent letting your kids watch game of thrones like this
1: is like really really not for kids
0: yeah this is potentially traumatizing so, yeah, make sure make sure the kids are asleep or <laughs> doing their own thing, but I mean, even for adults like i like I said earlier, I totally get if you know if someone um just has a difficult time seeing some of how graphic this violence is and and, and some of the the sexual violence how how graphic it is and and how disturbing it is if if that is too much for people, then yeah, don't watch this show like you. You definitely should prioritize your own mental health and um, well-being above you know a cultural phenomenon that has arguably run its course and is no longer nearly as relevant as it was. Um, which, as we go into like the ending Aaron, one last final question for you. Do you have any interest in the spin-off series that are uh, in discussion right now, there is one that's in production called house of the dragon, which is a prequel series about, um, the Targaryen family. And then there are uh, a handful of other shows that are, uh, they're all prequels of some sort. Uh, but there, there's, they're not to the point of casting or pre-production yet. They're just kind of being discussed. Well, so I guess they are in pre-production, but they're not, um, they're not nearly as far along as as House of the Dragon is, and there's no real uh, commitment or um, sure sign that they're going to actually make it to production. So are are you interested in House of the Dragon and any of the other spinoffs? I'm very,
1: very, very slightly interested in House of the (laughs) Dragon just because the book that it's based off of, uh, Fire and Blood, which is all about the Targaryen dynasty, is sort of interesting, but it is sort of tough when you know where it's all going, um, which is the events of Game of Thrones and how that ends. Um, I generally don't like prequels um, unless they radically recontextualize things that we know. Mm hmm. Um, so for example, painting somebody as a villain, as a more sympathetic character and introducing a bunch of elements that we could have never expected that, you know, was part of their life. So stuff like that, but, um, the other ones, no, I, I, there was one for the long night, which I thought was like, you had your chance to explore that in the show. You didn't, um, I don't know.
0: I don't like spinoffs really either. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And I also have zero faith that any of those shows outside of House of the Dragon is actually going to happen. Uh, this was something that Bill and Alex and I talked about during our uh, TV break podcast. How about... can you fit a, a dragon into a house? I think would be a little big. <laughs> it's a big house. It's a very big house. Um but we we talked there about like our interest level and for for me I I keep going back to a discussion Brian and I had before this podcast where we we agreed that if if these spin-offs were going to work they they should have released them while Game of Thrones was still running like if oh yeah that would already yeah. like if you were in season four and then you released um you know a spinoff series in between season four and five or really between any of the breaks, um, or even like the, the long break that they had, like you mentioned between season seven and eight, that would have been a perfect time to introduce a spinoff to wet people's appetite um, and also make sure that your franchise wasn't going to fade away. Uh, but they, they missed their chance. And now that the, the, the moment has really passed that, we've all kind of collectively moved on from this. It, it just seems too late. So I, I like you, am uh, very mildly interested, but unless I hear like really strong word of mouth, I, I doubt I'll watch house of the dragon.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you'll just be too busy again, watching uh Snyder cut on HBO max. Oh gosh,
0: I, I don't think I can do that when I've got like a dozen Star Wars and Marvel shows to watch on Disney plus over the next two years. Mm-hmm. There's just going to be so much to watch and uh, I don't know if I got four hours to spend on Snyder Cutter, another uh, Game of Thrones spinoff if I'm not <laughs> sure how the quality's going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, any other thoughts before we, we get into our close? uh i don't think so okay well aaron thank you for for talking to me about this movie i or this this show i know uh I've given you some some hard times for some of our picks in the past so i uh, i appreciate you picking something that we we both uh had thoughts on other than sheer hatred <clears throat> green hornet um and you know felt like we had all the uh, a good conversation about it. So I appreciate the pick on this time. You have, you have done well.
1: Uh, okay. I, I, when game of Thrones is the first thing that pops up. I mean, I don't feel like there's much of a choice.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. You you could have, you could have pulled a fast one on me. I'm glad you didn't though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so thanks for, for bringing this up and, and everyone listening. Thank you so much for, for joining us for this talk on the, 10th anniversary of the series premiere of game of thrones. We hope you enjoyed the episode and definitely if you, um, want to read more or hear more about, um, our thoughts on the series, you can find reviews and podcasts featuring Aaron and I, as well as a ton of the other members of the pop break, um, in the pop break, uh, on the, on the website, as well as on the breakcast. So a lot of, um, good analysis and um, critique to be had if you want to deep dive into more Game of Thrones material. But Aaron, I mentioned, you know, we both have a history of going through Game of Thrones. Is there anything you are currently working on for the site? And if so, where can people find you?
1: Well, I did mention the Snyder cut. So I did actually review the the Justice League uh, director's cut or whatever we're calling it nowadays. Uh, for the site. Uh, haven't convinced Josh to watch it, but uh, I'll keep trying. Uh, <laughs> uh, as far as I anything else, uh, I have a uh a movie coming up that it got pushed back, like so many things have gotten pushed back. Uh, it's finally coming out at the end of the month, so I should be reviewing that. So keep an eye out for another movie review from me.
0: Cool. Um, and on social media, where, where can people find you? Oh, it's just
1: at Aaron Sarnecki. Uh, usually just talking about movies that I watched. So I just watched some stuff this weekend. I might
0: talk about that. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And I also like to keep it simple with my Twitter handle. People can just find me at Josh Sarnecki. and you can also looking at my work. Uh, I mentioned, that I was featured on TV Break this month uh as I am every month with Bill our editor in chief and Alex our podcast editor um this month on TV Break we talked about uh HBO Max's Made for Love as well as the other favorite shows we were watching um where I went in and I talked about a delightful show called Waffles and Mochi on Netflix uh Aaron, you you and uh, Shane and Tucker should watch it. I think you'd enjoy it. What? <laughs> Waffles and Mochi. Okay. It's great. I, I, it's, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. But um, that was my pick for the best show of the month. Um, but anyway, you can find uh, the TV Break podcast as well as this podcast under the Pot Break TV um, family on uh, any podcasting service you're going through uh i know i prefer some more than others but whatever you find that's cool um and as well as this podcast anniversary brothers and tv break you can also find such podcasts as live laugh lovey roses and rejection uh, blurred watchers goodbye to all that more things that i'm forgetting the name of because there's a lot because alex just keeps building it up we have a an ever-growing uh podcast family and um that's not even to mention the socially distance podcast, um, hosted by Bill and Al, and any of the other podcasts you can find in the breakcast, which is where you can find our we or our monthly um movie anniversary podcast, where last month we discussed the twentieth anniversary of Memento, and this month we have a surprise, like we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, so make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to to all those podcasts if you are so inclined. And for any other pop culture news, reviews, interviews, attitudes, uh, platitudes, I'm going to just keep rhyming now, um, (laughs) make sure to check out thepopbreak.com for all the latest information on TV shows, movies, comics, music, games, Uh, digital trends, got it all. But this was a long one. Aaron, thank you for for sticking with me. Uh, This was, I think, longer than the the series finale for Game of Thrones, so uh, that's an accomplishment, I think. Uh, It's getting pretty close. (laughs) But um, Aaron, thank you again for your time and for everyone listening. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you listen to next time. And remember, until next time, winter's coming. <laughs>